take your Bibles to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. It's not a, uh, a book that I speak out of very much. And uh, I want to speak on the subject tonight on the mysterious leading of God. I've heard that phrase my entire life. It is uh, uh, straight out of Scripture how God works in our lives in mysterious ways. Meaning this, God works in ways that get you out of your comfort zone. God works in ways that does not make sense to you. But I'll tell you, the thing is, we're creatures of habit. When something goes against the way that I feel or my comfort zone, we clam up. I'll be honest, I even did that this week. I went down to Chase Bank and Canal. I walked inside I don't know how many of you guys have been there, the, the branch that's on, uh, on Gender and, and Canal. I walked in there. There's no tellers. No, they, they just did it. There's no tellers. You walk in, and there's an ATM machine inside the bank. And I literally almost just turned around and walked out. I thought, I've got uh, this. And the lady was like, oh, well, what do you need to do? And I said, well, I've got to do this and this and this. And she goes, oh, you can still do this. And she's explaining it. But to be honest, it just was, I, I don't want to do this. This is not what I'm used to. I walk up. I Lay it on the table, they take care of it, give me my little paper, and I'm done. And, and it's something about who we are. When we come up to something and it registers in our mind, this is, this is out of my comfort zone, it's a natural reaction to back off and just say, I'm just not going to do it. It's human nature of every single one of us. But the Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm not, I'm not just saying sometimes. I'm going to tell you guys right now, the Lord works in mysterious ways most of the time, most of the time, God does things in such a way or reaches people in such a way that is co- totally contrary to your comfort zone. And that's what this whole story is about. And, and I think sometimes this story is overused. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or, or not the story, uh, the, the phrase of mysterious ways. People just throw that all the time. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I was getting ready to go down to uh, Champion Christian College. I was I was speaking in the church. I was going to be part of a big meeting for the school. I was doing all these things. And uh, I was cutting my hair. Yes, I still have some hair to cut. And I was, I was cutting my hair. And uh, my, my, my eyebrows looked bushy. So I thought, I'll just trim these bad boys up. And I took the razor and I literally put a notch right through my eyebrow. I mean, huge notch. I mean, like a whole right down to the skin. And I'm standing there in the mirror looking. I mean, I know there's not a lot going on up here, but I covet the little bit that I have. And it's amazing how this much, this much hair being gone on your eyebrow stands out like a sore thumb. And I'm standing there and I'm freaking out. And Jen's like, oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll help you. She's trying to color it in and do all this stuff. And I'm like, I look like an idiot. I look like a dork. I'm going in to stand before all these men and all this stuff. And I'm telling somebody and they were like, well, God has a plan for that. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm like, what? Like, people are going to come to know Christ because I nicked my eyebrow? Or just, I think things like this can be overused. But at the same time, God has a reason for the odd things that God does in our lives. And this entire story, actually, let, let me get into this. I, I thought about this as I was doing this. I, I went back to, to Pastor Denon. Pastor Denon told me this story. I think he told the whole church about how he was at the hospital, and he went in and he realized he had no money. He, he forgot his wallet or whatever, and he said, I had no money to pay for the parking to get out of the parking garage. 
And he said, so I'm going up and I'm making this visit. And he said, I'm on my way down. And I said, Lord, he was praying. He told us a story. I think he told the whole church this. He said, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to pay to get out of here. I don't want to go, you know, beg for the money or whatever. But I don't have the money for the parking fee to even get out. He's walking out. He gets off the, the, the elevator. And Lori was at the hospital for whatever reason, standing right there. And he says, give me two bucks, just like that. It's just amazing how God will sit there and say, hey, put your attention on me. You don't know what to do. You don't know how in the world this is going to work out. Nothing is normal. Your wallet's not there. Your money's not there. There's not a free token sitting on the desk. What are you going to do? God does that. God does that for all of us. I, I started thinking about how God performed miracles for the children of Israel just to run them up on the Red Sea for God to do the mysterious. Think about how God drives someone to the point of their need and how God delivered money to them by putting the money in a fish's mouth. Now I know you're just sitting there and going, oh, those are just crazy stories of the Bible. Stop and think about the Bible. How much of it is, is normal when it comes to us as Christians or the life that he gave us? God was going to deliver Ruth by, by having her pick up the, the leftovers of Boaz in a field. Why would God send a prophet to, to help a widow woman when she was on her last bit of oil and meal that she had that she was going to prepare, that she literally said, I'm going to eat this and die, and then I'm done. But it was that day she met the prophet of God. I started going through over and over and over and over again. The entire Bible is filled with all of these things. Not knowing where your rent money is going to come from. Not knowing how you're going to get through college. Not knowing how you're going to pay uh, for that unexpected hospital bill or whatever it is that comes up. Why does God, now listen to this, set us up? He sets you up on purpose, deliberately. Puts you in uncomfortable, awkward situations in our lives. Simply that he can step in, save the day, and take all the credit for it. That's why God works in mysterious ways. But the thing is, we often fight against it. Something comes up that does not make sense to you, we often fight against it. Like having a donkey talk to you in the middle of nowhere, or an axe head thrown into the water and watch it float to the top. She bears coming out of the woods and devouring a group of children. I like that story. <laughs> they were making fun of all people. How many often times is this coming over and over again? God even took a wicked king and made him live as a wild animal. I want you guys to get into this. And I'm going to show you guys this. The mysterious working leading of God that he does in all of us. So we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go do something that is totally does not make sense to you at all. Nineveh. That great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come before me. Do you, do you realize, number one, I'm going to walk you through this. The mysterious calling that comes from God. Number one, the mysterious calling that comes from God. God, God is literally calling him to, to go and, and reach a group of people that, number one, is way far away. Number two, are the people that were ready to literally destroy his entire nation. It would be like God calling you and saying, I would like you to fly overseas and go hang out with ISIS and try to win them over to me. And you're sitting there and going, there's just no way. That's God, I, I'm not the person. They're not the people. There's people, 
there's a million reasons, a million things that would come up. But let me ask you, the calling of God, when he said he's not willing that any should perish, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, there's that person at work that is the awkward guy that everybody thinks might be a serial killer on the weekend that is just uncomfortable to be around. How, how many kids in your school that the, our teens and young people are going to be around that is the one kid that nobody hangs out with or whatever? God works in us to reach them because he pushes us out of our comfort zone to get to them. I thought about this. What would it be if God laid on your heart to stop by because you got that little white card in the mail that said there was a sex offender that moved into your neighborhood? You know what I'm talking about when they, those cards come? And God nudges you and says, hey, that sex offender needs a friend. Why don't you go be that friend? Don't sit here and look at Jonah and be all judgmental about his life of what he did to run from the mysterious leading of God if we're not willing to do it even in the little ways of our lives. Have you ever thought, and I'm not going to point out, how many people in, in our church that have been through a divorce of one way or the other, have you ever thought that maybe God in your position right now could use you to go reach that person that cheated on you or that person from your past or that ex that you don't even have anything to do with? You say, oh, wait, wait, that's not how it goes. You realize that's how God works in ways of how it normally doesn't go. But I just, maybe the Lord put it on my heart to think how many people are not being reached because we just put it in our mind already that that's not how it works, God. We literally tell you, that's not how it works in our society. That's not how I feel, or that's not my comfort zone. So here we get this situation. God is calling him to do something that does not make sense. But God still works in our life in this way. God still works through the Holy Spirit of God to lead us to do and go and speak to people that normally would not be told. God was telling Jonah, I have a need and I want you to fill it. But this not, does not make sense. Verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and he went down into it to go uh, to them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I, I know we all know this story and I'm not going to get into all the details of this story. That's not the point of this. But remember this, that God has a man for every mission. The person that God has set aside to meet this wicked nation was Jonah. And Jonah was running from the mission that he had. How often do we miss out on the mission, whether in our neighborhood, or whether it's even a, 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 an obligation or a ministry within the walls of our church? That's not me. I'm not doing that. I did that before, whatever. And God's saying, no, you are the person that I want to do that. You are it. And we sit there and ignore God. Can I point out something in this story? Jonah never told God no. Do you guys ever notice that? Jonah never ever tells God no that he will not do it. He just ignores God. He goes the other way. Have you guys ever went up to, to your kids and, and, and there's a big mess in, mess in the kitchen or whatever? And you say, which one of you made this? None of them ever deny it. They just don't answer. You, you know what I'm saying? It's easier just to go the other way. That's the thing. That's how our, our, we work within our lives. There was this mysterious calling that he gave him in his life. But you guys know the story. Let's go to the second part. There's a mysterious correction that comes from God. You say, why are you throwing in the mysterious? Because every aspect of this story is not normal. Okay? Every bit of it is not. And, and the reason why I love 
bringing this out because when there's a calling and you're the chosen person for the calling and you reject that, as a child of God, there are consequences. You cannot just do your own thing and think it's okay. My, my, my kids think, I, I go in there and I just say, okay, there's a mess. Now all of you guys can claim the mess. There's consequences. You're not going to live in my house or be my children and think you're going to ignore the commandment that I've given you and it's going to be okay. God does not work that way. Jonah had to feel relieved. He's running from the, what does the Bible say, the presence of the Lord? We all know that that's ridiculous. You cannot run from the presence of God. But in his mind, he thought that he did it. In his mind, he thought that he was okay. Why is it that we feel like we can run from the instruction that God has? I don't care if you go to another ministry, if you go to another church, if kids move out of their parents' house or whatever, you cannot run from what God has planned for your life. You cannot. And I promise when you do try it, you will not be happy. I love this part of it because it kind of shows us in there that God's not going to let you get away with what you think. It's, it's, it's a matter of, let me show you. 1 Corinthians 6.19, turn over there. I know, keep your finger in the book of Jonah, but I want you to look with me at uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19. I know you know this verse, but look at it in this application. Paul is writing and he asks the question, he goes, what? I mean, you can imagine with this frustration or, you know, this is what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of God which is in you, which ye have of God? What does it say? Ye are not your own. Okay, he's saying, all right, here's the thing. It's, if, I, if God's calling you to do something, you're, you're not your own. It's not up for debate. It's not a, uh, God, can I have another option or can I have plan B? God said, no, this, if I've called you to do it, this is what you are to do. Because for, for my life, I, I tell you, I never planned growing up to be a pastor. I never planned to be in ministry. I never planned to be a preacher. That was never on my agenda. But I can tell you, I would not be happy doing anything else. I know that. And there's some of you, and I believe that are Christians, that are the Jonas, follower, prophets of God, love God, love people, all the other stuff that comes with it. But you'll never be happy until you get on the track and the place and the ministry and the calling that God's called you to do. And when you get off, God will do what he needs to do to get you back. Do you know why? Next verse, verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. God comes in and he says, you purchase, you know, go to the hardware store and you buy that hammer for that reason. That hammer is given, provided for the purpose of driving in nails. God took you when he saved you at that altar in the church, wherever you were. God pulled you out of there and said, I have a plan for you. You were to reach your neighborhood. You were to reach your kids. You are to reach your public school. You are to, you're to reach this ministry, this class, whatever. I was talking to Becky Boyd. I was thanking her right before uh, as service was started. 49 years she's been teaching the same Sunday school class. 49 years. And I love the fact that my kids get excited to be inside her class. I love that the evidence, the things, that the input, that the investment that they have. Do you know why that works so sweet even after 49 years? Becky didn't run from God when God told her 49 years ago, you need to be in that class teaching kids. You're, you're, you find where God wants you and you're happy when you get there because you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Do you know why? Which are God's. It doesn't belong to you. It's, it's not up to you. How, when are we going to get to that point when we truly resign our lives to God and say, it's all yours anyways. 
I had a, I had a six-month period that I battled with God before I actually surrendered to preach and, and go to the ministry. You know why? Because I battled with myself, my fear, my flesh of everything in it. We all do it. Until I come to the conclusion to say, when God says, no, no, you, you don't belong to you anyways. It's not your life. This was not an option. It was not a suggestion. Let me tell you guys this. Do you have a free will? Yes, you do. Did Jonah have a free will to run and do his thing? Yes, he did. But as a child of God, God is like just like my children. I step and say, you need to get back in line. You need to get back in line. Because we're the children of God. Proverbs 3.11, listen to this verse. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. From whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son whom he delighteth. You know what that verse is telling us? Because God loves you so much that when you get off the path that he has for you, God will do whatever necessary to put you back on that path. And that's not me being just like, oh, I don't want to listen to God or put God in that perspective, but that's the God that we have. The story that we're learning right here is God doing that. Let's get back. Verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was like to be broken. Remember, as we're studying, that this, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And this is definitely one of them. This storm that we're reading about is not the typical storm. These sailors uh, did this for a living. They were used to this stuff. But this came in that was so unique in the situation that they feared for their life. To the point where they're crying out to their gods and doing all these other things. They've been through many storms before, but nothing like this. Then the mariners, which were afraid, they cried unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea and lightened it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay, and he was fast asleep. These men were doing whatever they could in order to, to stay alive. When trouble comes, isn't it funny how the world will react, how religious the world gets all of a sudden? And I, I've had people that have said that, you know, I don't go to church, I'll know it's a band-aid, it's religious this, it's all this. And I thought, it's funny, when somebody's on their deathbed, I've never had one of them call a bartender. You know what I'm saying? Why is it when they don't believe in God or whatever, but they'll call the church in that situation because it's at that point that they're willing to do whatever, that they need help or hope. That's what was going on here. These men were crying out to their gods. They, they, they were hurting in this situation. But where is Jonah? Jonah's sleeping. Jonah had it in his mind. Everything is okay. I'm good. This is that. Let me tell you, it might be that way for a while, but eventually God's going to come in and stir you up and say, this is not where you're supposed to be. This is not where you're supposed to be. Verse 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. And so be that your God will think upon us that we should perish not. And they said, every one of his fellow, come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. You know what God was doing? God was unveiling his sin in that situation. You guys don't understand how crazy and this, this was in this news report, and I know I mentioned this this morning, about how the Bible made this promise, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that whole situation with the Josh Duggar, how it was exploited in the world, and, and how it was on 
every headline that we come across right now and you're saying, what, what in the world? How is this possible? Here there's this website that was created. I don't know how many of you guys heard this story of how this on, uh, went down. A website that was created that you could go, log on and buy an account on this website that would teach you or help you connect with other people to teach you, to help you to cheat on your spouse. This Christian man that was a leader of this Christian organization logged on to that to create an affair by purchasing this website or this uh, a login to this thing to do that. Somebody hacked into it, destroyed their database, and then took everyone that subscribed to that and plastered it all over the, the internet. And all of a sudden, this hidden sin becomes national news. Be sure your sin will find you out. You know why God does that? Because God corrects his own. We look at the world and say all the things that they do, God steps into his family, his house, his children, and God says, I will not allow my children to run from me or live rebellious. That is what's going on in this situation. Verse 8, and they said, and then tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is in thy country? And what people art thou? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And notice their response in verse 10. Then, then were the men exceedingly afraid to know him, uh, unto him, why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. All the stories that they'd heard, now remember, this storm was not normal. All the stories that they've ever heard about the God of the Hebrews and this great God and the one true living God, right now, they're in the middle of this storm, seeing the evidence of this all the way around them. You say, what is the point of this? Remember, the mysterious ways of God. No matter what, when things don't make sense, God is working behind the scenes in this. Inside this situation, here's this boatload of men that are away from God that had no idea what was going on. Verse 11, then they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee, that the sea may, uh, may come uh, unto us? And the sea wrought and was t- uh, temptuous. And he said unto them, take me up and cast me therefore into the sea, so that the sea may be calm unto you. For I know that my sake, uh, this great tempest is upon you. These men did not want to throw him to his death. But verse 13, nevertheless, the men rode harder to bring it in the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Do you know why? Do you know why this is like this? You know the whole reason this verse instead wrought was grown more and more tempest, uh, crazy within the sea and the storm that's coming up on. Because we know the master of the sea, the same God that has the ability to calm the sea is the same God that has the ability to stir up the sea. You say, I don't want to look at God in that way, but that's just the truth. We talk about storms that come in our life, and yes, storms do come, even for Christians that are living God and going to church, those aren't things, because storms are just simply part of life. But have you ever thought that sometimes when you're running from God, God stirs up your life just to get your attention? God stirs up your life just to tell you that you're not on the right track? I've I've been there before, and I know some of you guys have too, where you've just not been walking with God, and all of a sudden, life blows up in your face. You don't have to get on your knees and say, God, why is this happening? You already know why it's happening. God's pulling you back where you should be. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee. Let us not perish for this man's life. You know what the shame of this passage is? 
is the simple fact that it is the men on that ship that did not follow their God that had more, more umption, more desire to call out to the living God than even Jonah himself. Let me call your attention to something. Have you noticed throughout this entire story, we never find Jonah crying out to God? Because in himself, he's still backing away from God. He's still getting away from the, the plan of God. And lay not upon this innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, has done it to, uh, as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raising. And here he is now in the middle of this. Then the men, now notice this, and you say, why did all that happen? Notice this, the mysterious ways of God, how God's working behind the scenes. Every bit of it, God had his hands on. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice in the Lord and made vows. God, even in the middle of that, grabbed their attention. But here's the last thing, the mysterious redirection of God. Ever notice how God, even when we get off track, has a way of trying to put us back on track? And it's, it's such a blessing of this. We look at it, the story of the whale and we sit there and say, what a miraculous thing that the whale came up. Do you ever look at the whale as being the deliverance of God or the second chance of God? If we were to give this whale a name, you'd have to give this whale the name Grace. You know why? Because he got what he did not deserve. If God was delivering justice at that minute, Jonah should have died on the spot. But God wasn't done with Jonah. Even when you get off track, you run from God, you get out of church, you rebel against your parents, God still has unique, mysterious ways of grabbing your attention and putting you back on track. But I tell you, this is so not the way that you would have ever thought. And, and I know we often say, when you run from God, you'll eventually hit bottom. That is absolutely 100% true with this story. You talk about hitting bottom, he hit as bottom as you can possibly go. But God will do something to get us back on track. Especially we're running from God. Now notice verse 17 how it's even worded. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Where did this whale come from? Came from God. The design, the plan of God was to sweep in and swallow him up. It was God to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All of this was not the wrath of God. And we have to sit there and say... Man, what's going on? Can I remind you up to this point, Jonah never cried out to God. In his heart, he's still rebellious. Rebellious. I don't want to do it. Guys, I have a little confession to make. A little, just telling you, I, I moved into a, a new neighborhood uh, about almost exactly a year ago. And uh, I've gotten to meet a lot of my neighbors. Actually, it was a cool blessing this morning. I had one of my neighbors that was in service this morning. It was awesome. And um, just thank the God for, for how he's working, the different things that he's doing. But around the corner from my house, there is a group of houses that are all being bought up by Muslims. A Muslim family, and they, they're, they're just taking one after another any chance that they get to move in there. Here's, here's my thing as I'm walking out. I'm, I'm, I drive in there, and I'm looking, and I'm checking them out. I'm, I, I mean, what they do is just different. You walk, you drive past their house. I, I, I run past their house sometimes when I'm out. And uh, outside their house, they have all these cameras all over their doors. Don't ask me why. But, I mean, they have, like, secret service that they have watching their doors, watching the thing. And I'm, I'm thinking, what are you hiding? What are you, what are you looking for? I, I want to wave as I'm going by. I'm just curious. What's it all about? And I'm sitting there. And you know what I'm doing? I actually developed almost bitterness towards them of, what are you doing in our neighborhood? What are you here for? Is he, how am I any different than Jonah? 
having the idea that I don't want to deal with you. And then God laid it on my heart. He says, have you ever thought, preacher boy, that God moved you in the neighborhood just because maybe it was to reach those? Have you ever thought that I allowed, I created, I, I, I opened up these houses not to make you miserable, but that they would be exposed to the truth of the gospel through you? Have you ever thought that maybe these people I'm allowing to have good deals to buy the houses just so that they would have a Christian in their neighborhood? What's our perspective on things? God prepared a great fish. God prepares, God does things outside of the normality of your life, outside of your comfort zone in this life. And guys, let me tell you, it's getting crazier and crazier. The world that we live in and the, and the things and the extremeness of the problems of our society and young people and what they're getting. And I do, I do believe that God's going to call us to say, go way out of our way to do things that are not normal and to, to do this. I mean, the whole thing Saturday of having the stand strength team and come in here and just say, that's normal. That's not normal. Having a bunch of muscled up guys. You guys are used to seeing that up on the stage, but these guys are a little different. But the whole thing is. I'm willing, as God directs our heart, God says, okay, you're doing this, and it doesn't make sense to you, but I'm doing it because the will of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the thing that we have to keep in mind. And I do believe as a church, as an individual, as a Christian, whoever you are within the body of church, you get off of that, God will do whatever to get you back. Because we are bought with a price. And therefore, we will glorify God in our body, which does not belong to us, belongs to God. Now we get to it, finally. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Then Jonah gets and says, all right, God, here I am. Do you realize that Jonah could have skipped the storm, skipped the sea, and skipped the whale if he would have just submitted to God to begin with? But the whole thing is, this doesn't make sense. This isn't right. This is not what I do. I'm not comfortable with this. God, my neighbor's a Muslim. God, my friend is a lesbian. God, my... I don't know. We have all this thing. It's not my thing. This is maybe a time to get out of what you think is your thing. Start doing my thing. Start doing God's thing. Sometimes you have to hit bottom before you look up. And then it lays out this, this cry, this this extinguishing of all pride in his life. And I said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. You talk about a description. Now I'll tell you guys, I can't stand going past the fish counter in Kroger. I cannot stand the smell. I don't, I don't eat at uh, Red Lobster for that reason. I can't stand the smell of fish. It's just me. I just don't like it. I would have been a miserable man in this position. And thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep. He recognized that it was God. God, I got away from your plan. And I'm telling you, I would not be surprised if there's a Christian under the sound of my voice right now, listening in church, that you're in that spot going, I'm miserable. Nothing's working out. And God's saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I told you. I, I gave you. I put it on your heart a long time ago what you should be doing. I told you that when you've heard that over and over again. And yeah, you never told me no. You just ignored it till it wasn't announced anymore. You turned your head and went the other way just so you didn't have to deal with that person. At work, at home, whatever it is. Because then I had to bring you to this point finally to get your attention. Verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep. 
In the midst of the seas, the flood come past me about. All my billows and the waves pass me over, over me. And then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. Lord, I, you got my attention back again. What do you want me to do? The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed about me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Listen verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee. You, you want to know if his heart was back where it should have been? You see everything that it should have been from the very beginning when God said, I'm going to call you to do something that's not going to be comfortable for you to do. I'm going to call you to do something that you're going to have to get over yourself to do. And to thine holy temple, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of my thanksgiving. You know why he had to say that? Because that's all he had. He couldn't go. He couldn't serve. He couldn't do anything except lift up his voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord heard him. The Lord knew that he was there to do that. Let me tell you guys, from my heart to yours, there is a mysterious correction of God that he will do in our lives to get us back where he needs us to be. I tell our teens, there's a mysterious correction of God that he will do to get you back where you need to be. And it's not always comfortable. It's not always what you're going to want. It's not always going to be what plan A and option would have been of just going to where God sends us or being what God does. He breaks us down. He humbles us. He makes us look up. Because we are bought with a price for his glory. Go back to verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again into the holy temple. He felt so disconnected from God. But the whole cool part about this is, is God's listening to every single word that he said. Verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out of Jonah upon the dry land. I, I don't know about you guys. But if there's a spot in history that I would love to be on the shore of life and watch, it's right here. Can you imagine, what does a, a, a giant fish vomiting up a man look like? I don't know, but I bet you it was really cool. He, he comes out of there. You can imagine if, if there were a bunch of fishermen standing around there, and this fish gets up, and I don't know what God did, but obviously God gave him a sour stomach, and he had to take care of that. And God swims this fish over to the edge of the shore, does that, and then he stands up. And he stands up and he runs to where God, to Nineveh, where God told him to be. And all of Jonah's efforts, he could not get out of the mess that he created. But the incredible mercy of God, God brings him back. Now notice what happens. After he does all this, I love chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came again unto Jonah, notice this, the second time. We could stop right there and preach an entire message. Some of you guys need to do that in teen class, junior church, wherever you teach and preach at. The God of second chances. What, what do you do when your life smells like vomit? Maybe that should be the to topic of your message. What do, you, what do you do when you make an absolute mess out of your life? You stand up, 
You turn to God and God says, all right, are you ready? And God literally gives him a second chance. Arise, go to Nineveh, so that great city, and preach unto it, preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and cried and said, Yet forty days Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh did what? Believe God. You talk about the mysterious working of God through this entire thing. Jonah, if you guys know the rest of the story, we won't get into it. Jonah's sitting there like standing in awe going, What? What is going on? God's not going to call you to a point of failure. You're, you're sitting there thinking that person that you have on your heart, whether it's work, school, whatever, you're just thinking, man, if I go talk to them, they'll laugh me into scorn. They'll, they'll never have anything to do with me. My life is over. I'll, I'll be made fun of. And God's saying, you have no idea. You have no idea what's on the other side of that fear. You have no idea what's on the other side of that opportunity if you would just submit to me. Yes, it doesn't make sense that they would ever accept Christ, but I've already gone before them. God had already broke down the walls of that. In verse 10, and God saw their works. Then they turned from their evil way, and, and, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did not. Why does God do what he does? Why? And I, I just think through this, this is, we talk about the mysterious ways. Are we going to be sensitive to hear the mysterious things that God tells us to do? When God calls you to, to get out of your comfort zone, to go to people, to break your routine or whatever it is, are you willing to go and do it? God reached this nation, this wicked, vile nation for the glory of God. They were immoral. They were disrespectful. They were uncaring. They were godless. They were, they were what we would consider to be non-Christian. God changed all that through the preaching of his word through a man that God gave a second chance to. 